Find the life you didn't think was possible with the Jesus you never knew. Together, let's slow down a little and pay better attention to the most significant person in history. Welcome to the podcast, Paying Ridiculous Attention to Jesus, with your hosts, Rick Lawrence and Becky Hodges, brought to you by Lifetree. Visit us at JesusCenteredLife.com. Hi, listeners. This is Season 2, Episode 15, brought to you by Lifetree at JesusCenteredLife.com. You know, today, uh, just today, when I was getting lunch, somebody I work with who listens to this podcast said, hey, when are you going to... When are you going to sing the whole Batman song, not just a portion of it? And I said, how would never be? Never am I going to sing the whole Batman song. As the producer of this show, I veto that idea. Yeah. Yeah. I did call it middle-aged rapping, I think, last week, because it goes like this. He did call it middle-aged rapping. Because I can handle that kind of rapping. So anyway, um, I'm Rick, uh, author of Jesus Centered Life and editor of the Jesus Centered Bible, and the Becky Nader is sitting next to me over here. Hello. That that was her. It, it was almost tinged with honey. Her hello, isn't it? She is. She is a not even a recovering hippie. She's just a hippie. I'm a full on hippie. She's a full on hippie, and so honey in her voice is just natural. <laughs> she probably has some kind of home remedy that involves honey. I have several home remedies that involve honey. <laughs> I actually carry honey with me to work every single day, believe it or not. Wow, that that would be squishy and sticky. Raw Colorado honey, by the way. Were squishy and stickies two of the seven doors? <laughs> no, I don't I don't think they were. Raw honey. Of course you do. You probably eat drink raw milk too, which freaks no, me out. I don't drink milk. I'm dairy free. Oh. I oh. have almond milk and I make it myself. You make almond I'm not even going to go. I'm not even going to picture what the almond squeezing sessions look like <laughs> for that. <laughs> so today uh, we're going to uh, uh, deliver on a promise I made at the on the last uh, podcast, last week's podcast, where I I mentioned in the midst of stuff this song by Tony O'Kay called "You Will Go Free," and I promised to convince Becky that that this would be a good idea to do a whole podcast he, around. He did convince me. I and did. As a reminder, this is part of a series. The whole month of April, we're focusing on identity. Um, and this is our third uh, podcast on identity. So if you haven't listened to the last two, go back. We did an episode with Sarah Bessie last week. Um, and one of the things that I wanted to highlight today is I know we've been talking about resources that we've been releasing. We kind of do these in batches, which is why they all sort of happen at the same time. But our friend Steph, who's part of Jesus Centered Life, uh, she wrote an amazing devotional for moms, and it's called The Jesus Interruption. And this is a devotional like none other. She calls them micro devotions because she knows that most moms feel guilty that they don't have time to sit down and read a devotional. So she kind of created these micro moments, challenges, and throughout the whole entire thing, it focuses on two things. Who does Jesus say that you are? But actually half of the devotions are actually focused on who does Jesus say that your kids are? So the point of this devotion is is not only to unlock for the mom and provide relief from all the shoulds in her life, especially from momhood, but it's also to help you be prepared to be a good mirror to your child of who Jesus is by unlocking and showing you who Jesus says that your child is so that you can mirror that back to them. So we'll put a we'll put some information about that on on in your description link and on whatever podcast app you're listening in. Yes. Yeah, so today what we're going to do is very simple. We're um I'll I'll lead into this a little bit and tell you some of my history around this song. I know a lot of us uh, have a very deep maybe intense uh, abiding relationship with music in our lives you know that that there are uh, artists and songs and albums that are really profoundly influential along our trajectory um, I know for my wife uh, she grew up sort of loving musical theater and so uh, when she hears certain songs from certain musicals, they have this profound impact. They take her right back to where she was. And my daughter Lucy uh, saw the Broadway version of Les Miserables, and then she saw the musical version on on film of Les Miserables. And that musical and its story and its music have already embedded themselves into her soul. So I know music is really a powerful thing, and it 
not only as a marker in our life, but um, for me, um, music has been a profound part of my deepening relationship with Jesus. I, I, for instance, in college, I don't know if this is true of you too, Becky, but when I was in college, Michael Card and his music, especially a three-album trilogy called um, Known by the Scars, Scandalon, and I forgot the third one, but especially that middle one, that album called Scandalon, which was all about how Jesus is our Scandalon. These, Michael Card's music taught me more about Jesus than anything I heard about in church when I was in college. I feel the same way about the Goo Goo Dolls. I don't know why. Oh, there's a pregnant pause right <laughs> here. Goo Goo Dolls, what are you talking about? Yeah, for 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 real. So can, how? Can you whisper in my ear? I mean, there's a lot of profound things that they talk about in that oh, song that so. are really... They're not talking about Jesus. I know that they aren't, but I pretend... I hear things. I think that I I'm pref- I'm really affected by by music actually. And I actually have I think that music can surpass what the intention of the song is. Absolutely. And it, I I find a lot of things that I hear. I'm just going to make a confession. I listen to Metallica. Wow, she's a headbanger. I totally. How can you be a hippie headbanger? I don't know. It's just because that's the music that I grew up like my parents like generation listening Th- to. There's a kid coming to our small group who's who's who's, a, who's in a death metal band and a follower of Jesus. I think that you can listen to Metallica and love Jesus. Plus, it's good workout music. Yeah. I'll Rick's, Rick's you, not sure about me anymore. Up. <laughs> well, I did like that AC/DC song in Iron Man. I have that seen, was pretty motivating. Yeah, I I have seen them in concert. Oh, ACDC? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. You are. You're serious. And Black Sabbath. I was there the last time that Black Sabbath played live together. You didn't raise the horn sign in concert, did you? No, I, I, don't, I don't like that stuff. Yeah, well, it's because it's satanic. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, Still good music. It's, it's comforting to know that you're not into that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, I mean, that, makes me relatable. You, you, sometimes when you ask me, when you hear musicians asked, "What does that song mean?" Like, if if you had the guts to ask Bob Dylan, "What was that song about?" Most likely, the artist would say, "I'm not going to tell you what it's about. It's whatever meaning you bring to the song. That's what's satisfying for an artist. Instead yeah. of having to explain their song." They want people to bring Absolutely. meaning into it, and that's what you're really describing yep. there. That you're bringing your own meaning into the songs. So the I heard this song by Tony O'K. You will go free. Um, shortly after I was in college, so it came out in, on an album called Romeo Unchained in 1986, and it was a time during the kind of the real birth of uh, uh, contemporary Christian music which was basically a copy, mostly at that time, a copy of secular music. There wasn't a lot of original-sounding Christian music. It was mostly copies of other secular artists at the time. And uh, and this guy that I'd never heard of named Tony O'Kay came out with an album called Romeo Unchained on an obscure Christian label called What Records. I think that What Records was only around for like five years. But it turns out Tony O'Kay's story is that he was embedded in the secular rock world. He was actually quite respected in that world as a songwriter and a and a session player, but never kind of as an artist on his own. And he came to Jesus. He became a Jesus follower in the midst of this. I don't really know the backstory of how that happened. Um, and out of that, he wrote a whole album of songs that turned out to be called Romeo Unchained and was all about love. That, that was the theme of all the songs. Romeo Unchained meant um, he had a very dismissive view of the transactional kind of love that was in Romeo and Juliet, and he was trying to, to recreate the reality of what love the way Jesus defines it really is. So the whole album is a revelation. I encourage you to find it and get it. It's called Romeo Unchained. Um, and I, I heard this album at a time when this song just sounded totally untamed and raw and like, what? I've never heard anything like this from a Christian artist. But really, the, the message at the center of this song somehow deeply captured me, um, because at the center of this song, what you're going to hear is a promise of freedom from captivity. Um, it's, it's a song told in first person, so he's singing to somebody, and he's 
and he's speaking over them, singing over them this great, the greatest of all promises, which is one day you will go free. So um, I think uh, uh, let's let's give a listen to the song, and then Becky and I are going to talk about aspects of this song that surface for us as we listen. So let's let's pause here and listen to Tony O'K. You will go free. You've been a prisoner, baby. Been a prisoner all of your life. Held captive in an alien world where they hold your need for love to your throat like a knife. And they make the Get strong from out these cages 
verano Becky, um, now that we've listened to this epic song, I guess, first off, what, what are some of your first thoughts as you kind of t- try to take in the message of the song? What, what are some of the first things that you thought about as you listen? Well, my first reaction um, right away is when he starts out talking about prisoners held, held captive in an alien world. I Again, I, I mentioned this earlier, but I think about our perfection-driven society that is really being perpetuated through social media. There's this constant need to constantly be showing this American dream online and making sure that you look like you've got everything together. And people are working so hard, and they're working so hard to achieve, and that's that's being coupled with a society that has a lot of opinions um, self, the self-help industry, which is enormously growing, and the health industry has so many opinions about how you should live your life, and it's just creating such a such a compounding issue here. And none of that message has anything to do with freedom. It it it's portraying itself like freedom, but none of it has anything to do with freedom. So that's really good. And I and, and underneath, uh, you know, sort of actually over uh, like an umbrella over that kind of observation about the song is looming this promise that Jesus gave him when he started his ministry. He's quoting Isaiah and he's saying, I have come to set captives free. And what we know is that this is central to the heart of Jesus. It's like breathing for him in every interaction, in every way. He is always moving towards setting captives free because that's his job. That's why he came, that's his passion, that's what the Trinity expects him to do. And we know because Jesus said, um, attach yourselves to me like a branch attaching to the vine, and in John 16 he says, I want uh, you to be in me and I in you, I want us to be as intimate as, as you can imagine intimacy being. So as we attach ourselves to Jesus and we get his life flowing through us, like a the vine flowing through the dead branch, producing fruit, the life comes directly attached to his mission, which is setting captives free. We have embedded in us this deep passion that comes from his passion in setting people free from captivity. And, and so what is captivity? You just described some of it, mm-hmm. the, the, the many different ways that we start to understand that we're kept captive, either to um, self-doubt, insecurity, our, our body issues, uh, the way we physically see ourselves, um, our, our success or lack thereof, our comparisons to other people in our life. We have captivities all around us. We feel them, and wh- where do they come from, and what's their purpose? And the chief amongst our captivity is our broken identity that we're constantly trying to fix with all of the methods that you just mm-hmm. said, Becky, where we have a broken identity, we're kind of vaguely aware of that, and sometimes painfully aware of our broken identity, and we're looking for ways to fix that. And Jesus is saying, yeah, but none of those ways work, I'm the only one who can put you back together again. This is essentially what he tells Nicodemus, the Pharisee, who visits him in the middle of the night, and and Nicodemus wants to know, hey, hey Jesus, what, what are you all about? What is the, all of this about? And Jesus essentially says, well, Nicodemus, you're going to have to be born again. You're going to have to be born over again. You need a new identity, and I, I want to remake it. So one of the first questions I thought of in listening to this song again was, uh, well, how do you notice captivity in others? I mean, uh, Tony O'Kay is singing to someone here, and he's saying, you've been a prisoner all your life. Well, how is he able to say that? What, what is he noticing 
that is captivating about this other person? How do you essentially understand that this person is a captive somehow? That's the first step. So I'm going to use a really light example. I think that when we talk about captivity and prisoners, what we think of is somebody who's, you know, severely broken the law. um, And so they deserve to be punished. But what I'm so this example I'm going to use is going to feel more everyday life, but it's the middle of April. And this this week was Earth Day. And so everyone was posting their little like ways that they're helping the earth ideas on Facebook. And one of the ways that I help the earth is I make my own laundry detergent and you can save a lot of money. It's I think it's an easy way. So I posted my recipe and what I do. And I just said, this is a very simple way that if you wanted to, you know, take a start for helping the earth. And I totally got tissed on social media because you totally this, got what like to- you mean dissed talk, like talked down to. Oh, I by, thought you said tisk by just somebody tisk tisk. Oh, somebody, tisk tisked. by somebody who is a a much more superior Earth person than I am, <laughs> uh, because my recipe has borax, which is in her mind not as Earth friendly as I could possibly be, and at first it kind of bothered me. Because I was like, wait a minute, it's actually a huge effort to just make your own laundry detergent. And compared to the other stuff, I feel like I'm doing a good job. And I realized that this person was was a captive. This person mm. was was in a place where she had to be a perfectionist at saving the earth. Mm. And she was taking it very much as her sole responsibility to the point where she wanted to should me on social media about how I should be living my life. And there's, there's two things about that. One, I, I, I quickly decided not to be mad at her. And I, and I instead just said a little prayer for her. I just said, God, you know, she really feels like this is all on her. And I hope that you will just set her free from that. And the second thing is I set myself free from feeling bad about using borax because I make my own laundry detergent. Okay. And I know we could talk about much more serious examples, but this kind of shaming on social media happens all the time. And I, I, I don't think we take, I don't think we take it seriously enough how much we are putting ourselves in cages with it. So I wanted to bring that That's as good. a kind of uh, an everyday thing that I see happening online. As a, by way of a, a little teaser for next week's um, Paying Ridiculous Attention to Jesus podcast, next week we interviewed Joby Lewis about um, our, our body issues and our identity relative to our, uh, how we see ourselves even physically and talking about how, how that's really deeply embedded in our, uh, our life with Jesus. It's not a compartment. It's, it's all, all together. And just as a teaser, one of the things that uh, Joby says that you'll hear him talk about next week is, who's in charge? That's a way of thinking about noticing captivity in others. When you, it's, it's really a red flag when you recognize that that um, someone's not in charge of their response, they're being uh, their their response or their action is being motivated and almost controlled by something almost outside of them. It's either a, a brokenness in them that compels them to respond the way they do, or it's a magnification of their response to something where you recognize. Wow, this person is really having a hot, hot reaction to this. What is it tapping into? And when you ask yourself, what is that tapping into? Or where is that coming from? Like I was waiting in line in a Panera Bread on Sunday, because we sometimes go there after church, and, and there was a woman in front of us who was talking to the cashier, and I don't know exactly what happened, but the woman in front of us I think got impatient with how long it was taking the cashier to take her order, and she blew up at her. She said, grabbed her keys in a kind of a dramatic way and stomped out of there, and the cashier almost started to cry. She just mm-hmm. looked at her coworker and said, what did I do? What did I do? She was like, like cut and crushed by this. And, and the other person said back to her, she's just an angry person. And inside, I thought, well, she's also a captive. Yeah. Why would she respond this way in that over-the-top way in that moment? 
if you were to answer that question, you would get at some aspect of captivity in that woman. And so when we notice these things in people, these 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 uh, magnified responses, or the person not really in charge of their response fully, then we know that there's some level of captivity in there. I wonder, th- there's a lyric in here I was going to ask you about, Becky, early on in the song, where he says, they hold your need for love to your throat like a knife. What yeah. does that mean to you? They hold your need for love to your throat like a knife. Yeah, that one was a gut-wrencher for me, too. It's not just love, it's a, it's acceptance, and I think that kind of goes hand-in-hand. Hand. We just want to be told that we're okay. And and so, you know, it's really easy for us to just take this and talk about how we could apply this to our own life. But we're trying on this episode today to get us to think about the perspective of, okay, if we know that the world is feeling like they have love being held to their throat like a knife, what can we do to release that? And part of that is that we can tell people that they're okay we can tell them that they're accepted. We can point out who they really are. So in the in the Starbucks situation, you could say to the to the girl and say, "You're okay." And you know what? You did a great job today, and let's not let's not put someone else's issues onto ourselves. And you can you can love people by revealing to them who they are because everyone's walking around thinking, "I'm not okay." I am not okay, and everyone, if they found out how not okay I am, they wouldn't like me very much. And so we can be a different kind of mirror. We can be a mirror that mirrors back to people who Jesus sees in them and in what he says about them. Yeah, and just going back to that story in that, in that uh, uh, Panera Bread, that the, there was two cashiers were waiting in the other line, the other woman... The other line was the one where this incident happened, and and I'm sitting there processing as a, and watching this mm-hmm. woman process it herself, and then she has another customer, so she has to move on. So we get our food, and we're sitting there, and I'm still chewing on this, the very thing that you're saying. So what does it mean for me to participate in setting captives free? So here's the one thing I really regret about that whole story. So I determined what I wanted to do was go tip her not say something to her, just tip her mm-hmm. and just say, I just want to give this to you because that was hard to do and you handled it well. And so I went up there to tip her, but there was a long line standing there in front of her. And I thought, oh, this is really going to be awkward for her if I do this, if I cut in line to do this. So I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And as I was leaving, I thought I should have done that anyway. I needed to respond to the prompt. But, mm-hmm. you know, freedom also means, well, I, I blew it. <laughs> okay, yep. next time, next time, uh, follow through, yep. even if it's going to be awkward. But the point there is to that we have these little moments where we recognize what just happened there. Well, that woman got slimed, and now she's under a form of captivity that could be shaming the narrative going on inside of her. What's that like? What can I do to participate in her freedom? What, and we don't just brainstorm. We we turn to the Spirit and say, Spirit, like I did at that Panera bread table, what what can I do? What's what's a good thing to do right now? And the idea was, well, tip her. So if only I'd follow through. Sometimes those little moments are massive miracles in people's lives. Yeah, I love that this the next part of the lyric here is just em- emblematic of that little scene in Panera Bread, they take what started up such an innocent heart, and they break it, and they break it, and they break it until it almost can't be fixed. So that angry interchange for that woman, what number of breaking was that in her life? Because her first response was almost despair. What did I do? She didn't want that angry response to be justified in her. So there was some breaking happening there, and you, you can see it in front of you. So the, the breaking we experience in life, um, here's the beauty of Jesus. He, like breathing, turns ugly, broken things into whole, beautiful things. And in fact, uh, Becky and I were talking about this before we started recording, is it possible to grow without being broken, without pain, without the fire, without... And yeah, it's possible to, to grow as we attach ourselves more deeply to Jesus, but the truth is... Growth takes leverage, and the greatest one of the greatest leverage in our life is the pain that we go through, the 
the, the having to confront our own brokenness is very difficult for us. And Jesus takes that and rebuilds us into something more whole. And so Tony O'Kay says, uh, we're broken and broken until we almost can't be fixed. Well, almost can't be <laughs> is accurate, but what Jesus says in response to his disciples when they when he's talking about rich people can't enter the kingdom of God and all this, and the disciples are like, oh my gosh, who can be saved then? And Jesus goes, well, with you guys it's not possible, but with me nothing's impossible. Mm -hmm. He's saying, it's my capability I'm talking about here, not yours. So when we're broken and broken and broken, everything rests on his capability to make us whole, not our imagination of how, or our discipline and work on how to put ourselves back together. The, the next system we use to address our brokenness, actually, it's his capability that can really put us back, uh, put us back together. So the, then in the refrain, the refrain is, I'm just going to read it, well, I don't know when, and I don't know how, and I don't know how long it's going to take, and I don't know how hard it'll be, but I know you will go free. And I think this is the central premise that we adopt as we relate with others, because uh, we're ramming up against their captivity all the time. Our central act of love is to have a deep belief that what Tony O'Kay is saying here is true. You will go free. I know you will. You're going to go free. And I don't know how, when, and I, I don't know how it's going to happen, and I don't know how hard it's going to be for you, but I promise you, you have a, a pursuing Messiah who intends to make you free, and I want to participate with him in that. You will go free. And then this next part of it, the song, is where he talks about how that effort is opposed. <laughs> so he, he's talking about the devil and the big lie and the fallen world, and that these things ruin almost everything we try. He's trying to say, you know, this effort to go, this effort toward freedom is opposed. So uh, where does our brokenness really come from? I mean, what, what he says is it comes from generational sin, it comes from the choices we make, and it produces what he, what he says, a, a screaming that doesn't make a sound. It's like this hidden screaming in our lives over our uh, broken identity. When we talk about that this, this effort, freedom from captivity, is opposed, let's talk just for a minute about the reality of that. What, what does that mean to you, Becky, that, that this, this path toward freedom is opposed? I think that there's a lot of <clears throat> ways that we could go about this. One thing for me personally, when I hear it's the sins of the fathers and there's, mm. you know, talks about how there's generational sin. Well, I come from a family that goes back generations and generations and generations and has broken families and lots of sin and lots of mental illness and depression. And when I first became a Christian, one thing that was really hard, the circle that I became a Christian, I, w I, w I went to a Christian college and all of a sudden this really beautiful thing happened. I was surrounded by people who had grown up in generations of the opposite of that. They were families who had followed the Lord generation after generation after generation. And it was beautiful to be with them, but it, I felt tainted. I felt completely tainted. Like, what if I'm holding this thing that like can't be broken? And actually, I had a, I had a boy who broke up with me when I was in college because he said, yeah, I, I don't think it's worth the risk. Your family and just the past that is there, it's probably going to follow you. And I, it, you're not worth the risk. Mm -hmm. You're tainted. And so that, that actually has followed me. Pre it, it's kind of like a little like pain point for me is when I hear that, I always think I'm, I'm tainted. I'm ruined. And I think we can partner with the Holy Spirit in breaking that lie. We can we can give people a vision that they can they can see a different generation. And, and Rick, you've even talked about your commitment in your family to breaking the generational past sins. But w there's lies that happen, and they're subtle in our Christian communities. And there's um, there's ways that we treat people that that actually just keep the cages. Um, oh, yeah. Broken. That's so true. And you know, you just said something that really, really struck me when this guy said to you in college, you're not worth the risk. 
So if you're listening to this right now, I just want to say this. Uh, I feel just prompted to say this prophetically, which means I'm, I'm, I believe I'm speaking on behalf of Jesus to you right now directly. The difference between what Becky was told, you're not worth the risk, and Jesus is that Jesus is directly saying to you, you are worth the risk. And because you're attached to him and on his same mission of, of setting captives free, this is the refrain that he will speak inside you as you're relating to others. Hey, you are worth the risk. People are so broken mm-hmm. that they that they almost create situations sometimes that helps them to prove that they are not worth the risk. They, they in their brokenness, they sometimes make things so difficult for the people around them that they're it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. See? See, I'm too much. I'm I'm mm-hmm. I am not worth the risk. And our role in, in Jesus' royal family, because that's what we've been adopted into, and we've ad- adopted his mission, is to be able to be a presence in people's lives that says, you are worth the risk, and to reiterate it. And this is not like flipping on a light switch. This is not like saying it one time to somebody. It's your presence in their life that communicates, you are worth the risk, mm-hmm. because that's the voice of Jesus that most people need to hear. And that... You are not worth the risk, I have to say, is the voice of Satan. Yeah. It's, it's what Satan wants us to believe so that we will self-destruct. Mm-hmm. To, to believe that truth means to turn ourselves into ash. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, what more can I do to communicate to you that you are worth the risk? Not just humanity, mm-hmm. you, Becky, you, Rick, you, listener, are worth the risk. So we get to participate with him in that, and I think the way we do it is is kind of locked up a little bit in this song, where Tony O'Kay is simply uh, speaking out a, a foundational belief that you will go free. And I love how he says, you can't see the jailer, you can't see the bars, you can't turn your head fast enough, but it's everywhere you are. He's saying, I know that you feel like a captive— you just can't see the bars. You can't see your jailer. Well, and, the, the jailer's real, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and and as as people who are free, we can help people see the jail cells. And we can say, hey, look, this is something I want to free you from. And one way that I like to do this, I've mentioned before that I really, really, really love working with young people. And just recently, we had two girls that were added to our team, and they're in their 20s. And I'm like a giddy schoolgirl because they're sitting like right around me. They're working with me. And I just, I love this age. I love this energy. I love this excitement. And one thing that I, that you can do is you can, especially when during these formative, like college 20 something, if you have someone in your life is in that stage, I want to challenge you to, to, to take on this challenge. I will intentionally point out things that they do that are extraordinary and because they, at this point in their, I just remember being in my twenties thinking, I don't, I'm just, I, someday I'm going to be 30 and I'm going to be so smart. But actually, um, what we can do is we can point out things that they do that are extraordinary and we can start to build up their confidence in who they are. And I love doing that. I love pointing out and saying, you're really good at this. And, um, actually you're better at this than I am. And to, to give them responsibility, that is beyond even what they thought that they were capable of. It has such a building effect in their life, and I love mm-hmm. watching that. You know, I want to, uh, on the heels of what you're saying here, I just want to jump forward in the song a little bit to something that he sings toward the end of the song. He says, I know I can't touch you now, and I don't want to speak too soon. And what I think what this speaks to is when we see captivity in others and we have embraced our mission and our co-labor with Jesus and setting captives free, especially for men, it's extremely tempting to simply fix the problem. We see a problem, we fix a problem. Yes. That's our rhythm. <laughs> Becky is wholeheartedly agreeing. And yes. most 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 women who are married would wholeheartedly agree with this, that one of the great stressors of their marriage, including my own, is when a man sees a problem, they see a problem to fix. And they set about fixing it because they believe it's their deepest expression of love. 
is to fix problems. It's not because they're selfish or self-serving. It's because the expression of their love looks like fixing things. It still drives us crazy. It does. And what Tony O'Casey is saying here now is, I can't touch you now, and I don't want to speak too soon. He's being cautious about his inclination to fix. He's saying, I'm not the fixer, so I don't want to push my way in and fix this. Instead, I want to invite you into something. And I think part of our role is to invite into freedom, not fix people into freedom. That's uh, super important. And part of the invitation, uh, just before he sings that lyric, he says, but in the midst of all this darkness, in the middle of this night, in the middle of your captivity, here's what I see. I see the truth cut through this curtain like a laser, like a pure and holy light. So he's describing Jesus here. He's saying, in the midst of your darkness, I see Jesus cut through that darkness like a light. And really, our primary lean is in pointing people to the one who will cut through their darkness. So when I just spoke just a minute ago and said, I'm going to speak prophetically, Jesus wants to say to you, you are worth the risk. That is the truth cutting through the darkness like a light. It's not me saying it to you, it's me saying, Jesus sees you this way, and he's coming after you, and he wants to cut through your darkness like a like a, a laser, like a pure and holy light. So this is the promise behind our the way that we relate with people. We have the weight of this promise of Jesus cutting through the darkness. And we and we long for them to become attached to him so that they can experience what that's like to be set free from their cages. I love this at the right at the end of that stanza he says I, he doesn't want to speak too soon, but here's the invitation. When we get sprung from out the out of these cages, God knows what we might do. I'm really excited that we're to this part. <laughs> Go ahead. Because so I'm really excited that we're to this part because we finally named this group that we on the fly <laughs> decided to start. And what this is like this group is God knows what we might do. That's what it is. What we might do together and we're calling this group the pigs and if you're a new listener you might be like this is the part where i find out that you're crazy but that's not actually (laughs) what it is if if you're new i want to encourage you or if you haven't if you're you've been listening to for to us for a while but you haven't read jesus-centered life this i would i would encourage you to go pick up that book there's a chapter um, in that book called living a pig life and living a pig life is about not just laying a single egg like a chicken does as an offering, but it's about going all in for Jesus. Yeah, and the giving pig, the everything. pig, the pig gives yes, everything for the meal. The chicken just gives an egg. For an the egg. Meal. So we're going to give everything for the meal, and we're going to be the pigs. Um, and you can sign up on in this whatever you're listening on. If you click on the description, there's a link to sign up to be a pig. Um, and the pigs, we've already started talking to you, and we have been just letting you know like what topics are going to be coming up and picking your brain and giving have, you special... I have, I've advocated for a t-shirt interest. in the future that has I a want pig ne- on the front, and on the back it says, be the pig. I want necklaces. So Rick wants t-shirts, t-shirts and I necklaces. want a pig necklace. I don't wear a lot of necklaces, just personally. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> we can get you a toe ring instead. Oh, a um, toe ring, yeah. So we also will invite you to a private Facebook group. One of the things that we heard from people is that they wanted to to also be connected to each other. So this is a great way for all of us who have been participating in this adventure for the last six months to do this together um, because we just want... We want to go all in with Jesus with you. We don't want to just talk at you. We want to participate in this journey. We want to pray for you. We want to be in friendship with you. So we're inviting you to join us with what God may do with our lives. And back to what sparked this, when we get sprung from out of these cages, God knows what we might do. So embedded in this is, is this profound promise about the kingdom of God. What would happen if our lives were all about leaving a wake of freed captives behind us? What do those freed captives then do? Well, they are dangerous 
They are dangerous people for the kingdom of God. If you're a pig and have gone all in, you've basically said, uh, like Peter said to Jesus when Jesus asked if the disciples were going to leave him now, and Peter said, where else would I go? That is the definition of a pig. Where else would I go is saying, I'm with you, Jesus, no matter what. And that is a dangerous person. That's the real definition of freedom. If you can't be leveraged by the enemy of God, and if you're going to continue to pursue Jesus, even if the transaction doesn't seem to be working out for you, wow, God knows what you might do in the world. And that's what the kingdom of God needs, is more people who've been sprung from out their cages, because God knows what these people are going to do. And that's, that's really our mission in life, is to build up the body of Christ— and the body of Christ, another way of saying it is all of the freed captives, all of the people who've been sprung from out their cages, so that they're released into who they really are. And that's really the end of the song. I love the end of the the, the end of this lyric is, I know the truth will set you free. What truth? The truth about who you are and the truth about who you were always meant to be. What he's really describing is what happens when you get sprung from out your cages. You, are, you become the person that Jesus imagined you would always be. You become the person he has in mind right now when he thinks about you. You become the person, the unique person that can only do certain jobs in the kingdom of God. If you think that you're just like everyone else, or you're unimportant or under the radar, you're wrong. From Jesus' perspective, there are jobs, roles, missions to go on that only you fit. And he wants you sprung from out your cage so that you can become the person you were always meant to be, so that you can enter into those situations that only you can. So just as a reminder, this whole month we're focusing on identity. And as part of that, I asked Rick to put together his guidebook for how he does personal retreats with Jesus. And one of the ways that we set ourselves free and that we come into the light and that we get a chance for Jesus to really identify who we are to him in the kingdom is by taking time to be with him. So whether you just have a day or you could afford to do a whole weekend, Rick's put together a little guidebook and, and you can click on the description and whatever you're listening to and download that. And we just, we just adore you guys. We are just all in with you and we just want we want to continue this journey. We just started planning for what our uh, we're going to be doing next month. We're going to be focusing on God's will, um, and I'm really excited for us to start that series in May. Yeah, and you know, there's no great adventure story that captures our heart, whether in film or in fiction or in, in real life. There's no great adventure story that really captures us that isn't in community. It's always a community adventure. You think of the Lord of the Rings or any adventure story you can think of, um, Harry Potter. Any, the, these things would diminish so drastically in their power over us if they weren't adventures in community. So we're inviting you into th- this grand adventure of this community of pigs. <laughs> and, you know, as a last note, as we think about uh, how we relate with others and even the, the captivity that they're dealing with, and, and uh, whether it's generational through their choices. I love this scene from uh, Lord of the Rings where uh, the company of heroes is trying to escape from this uh, dark system of caves, and they're being chased by this horrific monster. And they're, they're trying to escape out of the mountain before the monster catches up to them, and they cross this narrow stone bridge, uh, um, and they're almost to freedom, and but they they're not going to make it unless somebody stands and confronts the monster buying them time to get out of the mountain so gandalf the 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 wise wizard character in the story of the lord of the rings turns on the stone bridge to face the monster and he jams his staff into the stone bridge and looks the monster in the eye and he says you shall not pass he takes a stand and i think that's what we're doing with others we are saying um, in our own lives, in the lives of those we love, this sin, this brokenness, this destruction shall not pass. We are, we are not going to simply let it go by. We're going to stand in its way. And, and I think that's a good way of, of describing uh, the epic journey we're on. 
this stuff shall not pass, whether it's in your family or with your friends. Be the kind of person who says, it's not going to pass by. I'm going to stand. So um, thanks again uh, for listening this week. I'm really looking forward to next week when we talk with Joby Lewis about our, our, our physical life and all that goes into that. And Joby is a, is a, a genius at combining uh, the whole world of nutrition and fitness with our, uh, our pursuit of Jesus all together, all woven into one. So it's going to be a fascinating conversation next week, so we invite you to come back next week. Remember, you can find out more information about everything we've talked about today, but in greater detail on the JesusCenteredLife.com website. You can find our podcast section there and look for Season 2, Episode 15. A couple weeks ago, Becky challenged you to go out and buy some Bibles uh, in advance of Easter, and and as the Spirit nudged you, give give those away, give give away a Jesus-centered Bible to somebody, and, and a lot of you did that, so thank you for that. And here's another thing to pass along. If you know somebody that you think would really benefit from being a part of this community, pass them along the link to, yeah. the, to this podcast. Invite them to listen. Um, invite them to listen with you or uh, talk with one of the talk with them about one of these after they've listened just spread the word about it uh, that's an easy way to reach out to your friends and to invite them into the community so again this is paying ridiculous attention to Jesus it's a podcast from life tree subscribe to us on iTunes for all our latest podcasts and the Becky Nader and I will see you next time bye <laughs>